About what? Exactly. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Ty. I'm here with my good friend, Justin, for another episode of About What. How are you doing tonight, Justin? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good myself, um, all things considered. It's st- it's still the dead of winter, and so that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in quite a winter, it's been so, I mean, just so far, it's uh, snowed more this winter, and it has the last three winters added together. Yeah, and uh, that... The real disgusting part about that is it's only snowed, what, maybe four snowstorms this year? Yeah. So, yeah. But Are you sucking still, your thumb over there? It's still, yeah, I cut it on my microphone. It, I mean, how do you end up with an injury uh, on a microphone? I mean, I'm sitting down, I got a mic, I just go to tighten it, and the little plastic wing nut busts off in my hand and sh- poked a big old hole in my thumb so uh, usually I, I would blame the kids I'd, I'd say your kids have been monkeying with it and, you know that's that's my problem is i don't have any kids to blame it on so i'd blame it on my cat well i'll, I'll blame it on someone but myself i mean yeah, anyone exactly. but myself you know mm-hmm. so how, how's your day been so far um you know it's it's been a a work day um starting off the new year fresh and um, my, my day job is, uh, heading up We're we're doing really good in our sales actually. So, uh, we miss you in the department. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you, unfortunately, I don't miss the department. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If, no, I, if, if we could all retire, um, or go into business for ourselves like you have, then we would. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think retire is probably a poor word for it since mm-hmm. I, I work a hell of a lot more now than I did before, you know, but, <laughs> and, and, and on top of that, the stress and the, you know, the ownership of the whole thing, Yeah, y- you know, I mean, that, that's always on my mind, always something that's going on. So <laughs> it, it's, it's got its good points, but I haven't had a day off in a year. So, you know, I think we need to, uh, start looking at. Uh, throwing out some sort of monetization for this podcast. I know we've got our obnoxious little ads that play from time to time, but we, we ought to set up a Patreon or something and throw some some really juicy content out there. Give people a reason to send us money so that we can retire from our day jobs and just do this full time. <laughs> I that that is an excellent idea. I don't know mm-hmm. if we can keep up with the with the demand. <laughs> we'll we'll but, see, but that's a good, well, great idea. Between the podcast and the band, we might be able to um, provide ourselves with one meal a year, and that's if some if somebody does like a buy me a coffee sort of thing or something. Well, <laughs> as long as it's free. Yeah. So tonight, um, <clears throat> we received an email from a caller that insisted that they remain anonymous because uh, they're very very shy and. Uh, they, we don't want to give you any anxiety, caller, but you know who you are because... Um, I I know the name. I could yes, blow this whole thing and say it. You totally could. 
but I Should won't. We? No, okay. But no, we, will re- we will respect um, the androgynous them and their wishes uh, to remain anonymous. But um, they did request. Uh, a, um, this is a subject that I find to be real. Like this is uh, this is one that will keep you on the edge of your seat. This one, as you follow the play-by-play of how it went down, it was the most tense moment of the 60s. I mean, it really was the moment when uh, the world almost stopped turning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it was a defining moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything we know and everything we have today could have been very, very different if this would have went the different way or mm-hmm. possibly, in my opinion, if we would have had a different president handling it. Absolutely. So... Um, there was a, a lot of a lot of the reason why this didn't blow up into nuclear warfare is because we had the right per, the right people in the right places at the right time. So the topic that we're talking about, of, of course, course, we're talking about Woodstock. Yeah, that's right, Woodstock, <laughs> where it just it just about got out of hand. <laughs> No, I, I, I apologize for interrupting you. You go, you go ahead and uh, introduce the topic. You know, you'll have to excuse me because a lot of times I get, I might refer to this by accident as the Bay of Pigs. This uh, this event is not the Bay of Pigs. It took place as a result, uh, not maybe as a result, kind of, kind of tied loosely to it. It's the Cuban Missile Crisis is what we're going to be talking about. And a lot of times... I'll slip up, call it the Bay of Pigs, but it's just because it's kind of the whole uh, relationship between the United States and Cuba. Uh, in in my mind, it's it all rolls together. It's all sitting in the same file folder in my in my brain. You know, and, and, and uh, that's understandable. To take it one step further, you know what else I roll into the same file folder is the Cuban Missile Crisis. What's that? The JFK assassination. Ah, I fully believe in my non-conspiracy laden heart that um you know i don't believe john f kennedy being killed was conspiracy well i believe it was a cover-up and i believe there's a lot more to it than i wouldn't say i'm a full-blown conspiracy nut on it but i do believe things have been covered up and i do believe this you know the cuban missile crisis definitely defined his presidency and what he wanted as far as peace Mm -hmm. um because of the actions that were taken that we'll get into war really should have been declared. Yeah. And I think any other president would have declared war, but I think both John F. Kennedy and Khrushchev, I don't think either of them wanted war. And I think, I think they both, you know, through this, I think that's why it's very important that JFK was our president because I think any any other president would have taken us to war and I think the outcome would have been very ugly. Yeah. Well, the the leaders of the United States, John F. Kennedy, he he was a veteran of World War II. Uh, Nikita Khrushchev was also a veteran. Um, he was the guy that um, insisted that the Soviets hold uh, Stalingrad. So that big battle where they lost tons and tons of people, keeping the Russian or keeping the Nazis out, 
<laughs> that was all Nikita Khrushchev. He'd seen a ton of bloodshed of his countrymen. And he, he sent them to die. He was the guy at the back saying, hey, anybody turns around to retreat, you shoot the retreaters. So not a guy to be messed with, but he was a bit older than John F. Kennedy. He was uh, more seasoned as a politician, as a veteran. Uh, he knew uh, well, he, he knew politics, and he, he knew what he was doing. Um, but there's a side of this that really is, it makes it easy to understand why the Soviets did what they did, where they were coming from. Um, it was, they were coming from a position of fear and, um, defense in the way that they were approaching, uh, communist Cuba and the United States, it was just a little too close for comfort. Um, so I'm, uh, let, let me back up to the end of world war one and or world war two and explain a little bit of the background of what happened to the relations between the United States and our, um, our allies, the Soviets. So this, um, as usually what happens at the end of a war, to the victors go the spoils. And that was the attitude that the Soviets had, is that we've uh, licked the Nazis. Now we get to divide up the spoils with, amongst our allies. And the United States said, no, we don't need any more punishment. They're down. We don't need to kick them while they're down. And uh so that's where the Berlin Wall came from, is that they decided, we don't, you know, we're not going to see eye to eye on this. You guys take West Berlin, we'll hold East Berlin, and then anything down this concrete barrier is, that's where the dividing line is. That's where you got the communist block. So communism on the East and uh, capitalism on the West. So tensions had kind of risen. In fact, um, it was uh, Patton, General Patton, at the end of the war said, well, shoot, we got the Nazis. Let's just keep going and we'll whip the Russians while we're at it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, so it didn't take long at all for the uh, friendliness to go away between the, uh, the West and the East. No, in fact, the friendliness was really only there because we shared an enemy. Yeah. I mean that that really was it and but with the advent of um you know atomic weapons which is what made this so scary what made this 13 day standoff showdown whatever you want to call it such a such a nerve-wracking thing and and I'm not even sure the American people fully understood it because you know this country has never really seen uh, a battle. I mean, we've had our own battle here, you know, but, mm -hmm. but as far as another country invading us in any kind of recent time and, yeah. and, and war across this country, it just hasn't mm -hmm. happened, you know? And no. so I think that's why so many people wanted Kennedy to take more action than he did when he wanted peace. He didn't want, yeah. you know, the whole world blown up. Well, and he had a loaded six shooter in his on his hip, per se. You know, with the United States was the one holding the guns. We had thousands of nuclear warheads attached to missiles, uh, uh, onboard submarines, ready to be deployed, dropped out of bombers, uh, or you know, shot across the ocean. We had the the Atlas missile. 
uh, I can't remember the name of the other one, but uh, we, we had missiles that were capable of going all the way across the world and carrying a nuclear warhead. So we didn't even have to be in the vicinity of our enemy when we deployed these missiles. And that and, and uh, Nikita Khrushchev knew that. Freaked which, him out. <laughs> which is the reason they moved in and put their missiles in Cuba, which obviously is just, uh, what, about 100 miles away from the United States. Exactly. Uh, but they believe they could pretty much reach anywhere in the United States from Cuba with those missiles, yeah. which made it very scary. Yeah, the Russians, they didn't have the missiles to carry it across the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean, but they did have missiles that could go basically across a continent. Yeah. And that's what they were sending. They were intending on sending to um, Cuba. They sent a bunch of them that would reach as far as uh, New York or as far west as Dallas. Um, Cuba sits 90 miles away from the tip of Florida. And so that's the, the closest point on the United States. But they also had other missiles that were a little bit longer range called the uh, M14 missile, I believe is what they called them. And those ones were capable of going pretty much anywhere in the continental United States. So they didn't actually get any of those over to Cuba. They, they had some of the ones that would reach halfway across the United States, but they didn't get any of the long range. Um, and mostly because uh, we found out about it. The, the intelligence made its way back there because this whole thing had been set up in April, May of 1962. So the Russians had approached um, the, <laughs> for heaven's sakes, Castro, Fidel Castro, the new uh, communist leader um, that had just taken over Cuba a few years earlier. And uh, they approached him and said, look, you know, you're sitting kind of close to the United States. The United States is obviously not happy with you being in charge, which, you know, we got uh, embarrassed by the Bay of Pigs. And we'll do another uh, episode about the Bay of Pigs and go into depth on that. But um, the way the Bay of Pigs plays into it is we did try to dethrone the communist regime um, by training some Cuban refugees and then sending them back to Cuba. But they just weren't enough to topple Castro. And Castro started holding his own. And so Khrushchev approached this young Castro and said, look, let's ally up. You let us store some uh, nuclear warheads there just to level the playing field a little bit and even things up. And knowing that we had the capability of shooting missiles across the world, but they had, well, and, and we were, the United States was sitting on a stockpile of over a thousand nuclear warheads. The Russians, they had hundreds, but not thousands. So they were outgunned, but this was their way of like, okay, well, if we can't, you know, lob our missiles all the way over at you, we'll storm in your next door neighbor's backyard. And that was their way of saying, fair's fair, buddy. You know, this is just our way of playing nice. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little sympathetic to, uh, to the communist Russians looking back on that, because what else were they supposed to do? Well, keep in mind, the U.S. had a lot of missiles in uh, Italy mm -hmm. and was it France, I believe? 
France, uh, Turkey as well. Tur- Turkey, yeah, <laughs> which that had a little bit of the bearing on it, especially when it come down to the negotiations. Yeah. Um, but this all did start in the middle of October 1962 when a U-2 plane, you know, a spy plane, uh, took some pictures basically over Cuba. Mm-hmm. And you can go from there with that one. Yep, no mistake about it. It's really difficult to hide a missile silo. silo. Yeah. <laughs> Says you. Yeah. Well, we, we, we call them missile missile silos because that's what we started hiding them in. Yeah. <laughs> we hollowed out grain silos and, or rather put uh, missile launch pads disguised as uh, farm silos <laughs> out across the, the countryside. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, funny enough, the Russians, their, their plan was, uh, hey, let's just uh, dress these rockets up as palm trees and we'll disguise them that way. Uh, didn't work. <laughs> no, we we were able to. Yeah. It, we were able to find them definitely. Yeah. So when the U two uh, reconnaissance flyers spotted these missiles, that's when JFK decided he had to have a very difficult and delicate conversation with Khrushchev. So you got a, a young uh, freshman president that's. Uh, let's see, he. He was in his 40s, but or was he in his 40s or was he only in his 30s? No, he was in his 40s, um, yeah. which was still at the time the youngest president, yeah. you know, ever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I, I think he would have been, he was, what was he when he was shot? Like 46 say, or 47, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So he would have been about 45 years old. Yeah, something about yeah. that. Because this this all happened uh, October of 1962, which yeah, he was assassinated November of 63. Yeah, the middle of October until the mm-hmm. end of October. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, things were very tense all across the globe because everybody seemed to know what was going on. Um, and the uh, the Soviets knew what was going on as well. It's, uh, you know, the, <laughs> they were sitting there watching this whole thing go down while... Kennedy said, look, uh, you've got missiles down there in Cuba, and that's too close for comfort. You need to get them out of there. And Khrushchev says, no, you've got missiles all across Europe, and all of them are pointed at us. We're not going to you know, sit there and let you just have these missiles de- um, deployed out there waiting to be fired. Which, when, when you want to really sit down and think about it, that kind of brings in the pompousness in a certain area of the americans yeah. is is which really reared its head after world war ii certainly thinking not not necessarily thinking but acting like we we're the biggest and the best at everything which we very well may have been but mm-hmm. it, you know there is some contradictory action in that you know we've got missiles that will reach from here we've got them in turkey we've got them in france we've got them in italy and they put a few over here and we're like hey wait a minute yeah. you know <laughs> i mean how, how do you stand on that and what are your thoughts on that because it, it seems it, because it's easy for us to say and we say well yeah but they'd probably really use them you know yeah, or, exactly or something <laughs> like that but like we wouldn't oh yeah we, yeah we, we would never do that like we did in japan <laughs> yeah so do you i mean do you not you know i love this country don't get me wrong but yeah. do you not find hypocrisy in that 
Oh, absolutely. There's hypocrisy in that. And that's why I'm sympathetic to where the uh, Soviets are coming from on it. It's, uh, it, it was just fair's fair. Um, you know, they, <laughs> they have to live in this world too. Uh, just like the rest of us. And yeah, uh, if we can, if we can take off our American goggles for a second and look at ourselves from the perspective of somebody else, I mean, shoot, we make, we make movies about this. Red Dawn was, was about, uh, you know, what would happen if the Soviets got too close for comfort and took over the United States, split it right down the middle. And, you know, all of a sudden it was, uh, martial law and we were occupied we would probably have much better vodka to be honest well for sure Um, i mean that that's one thing and those what are those little those little nesting dolls oh yeah the little nesting dolls the um matryoshka dolls yeah i i think it would be neat if they could release a vodka that come in those nesting dolls yeah each one with a smaller bottle inside yes i don't i don't mean to steer you completely off track but uh, you know, to me, that's the things I think about and that, that's, that's, uh, mm-hmm. our privileged life that, uh, yeah. <laughs> jokingly we can talk about, but what, yeah, what the resolution of the Cuban missile crisis has mm-hmm. given us the, the right to joke yeah. about at this point, you know, that that's right. I mean, all this went down what, 60 years ago yeah. and it's, you know, there's a long time between there and here. So, no, we're not sitting around wetting our pants over this whole thing the way we, um, our parents were or our grandparents were at the time. Uh, a generation that had just come through one war had seen um, at least televised, if not, um, you know, in the cleanup of Japan, the effects of a nuclear war. Yeah, uh, because because all the wars we have suffered through in the past 50 years, per se, have been off our shores. You know, no one has firsthand knowledge of it. But you go back to the early 60s, you're right. Our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, it was fresh off of reality, you know. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it, it didn't seem so far off of being able to happen or something bad happened on the shores of the United States. Yeah, so we didn't really think too much of it because probably the most recent conflict before this would, would have been uh, the Korean war. And uh, that was a police action that ended up being kind of a stalemate that uh, resulted in the, uh, the, the Kim regime or the Kim dynasty, whatever they call it now. Hmm. Um, just little chubby guys running North Korea and uh, you know, South Korea dancing to k-pop uh, <laughs> yeah that's that's a good way to put it <laughs> you know that, that that whole thing stemmed from the 38th parallel <laughs> so that's, that's where k-pop come from huh exactly k-pop uh, came directly from the 38th parallel then i sure as hell wish we would have handled that differently yeah so um the the Soviets, uh, you know, they had a, a good case on their hands. Yeah, the rest of the world just ha- is sitting around watching the United States wave their new guns around. It kind of seemed like that opening scene in 2001 Space Odyssey where the one of the monkeys first discovers how to use a bone as a weapon. 
And all of a sudden, you know, the monkeys that figure out how to use bones as weapons are standing there waving these things around. And the rest of them are like, we haven't figured out how to pick up a bone and use it as a bat yet. So they're just sitting there like, oh, well, we can't go to war with them. Yeah, but, it's, it's really interesting. And it, I, I yeah. mean, I think you have to put yourself mm-hmm. in the mind frame of the time. Yeah. Uh, on the American side and on, on the, the mm-hmm. Russian side of how things were going, you know, and what yeah. what the thought was. And I think that's where you do get a little bit of sympathy for the Russians on that side of things. But yeah, I, there was many American gen- – in fact, everyone in American yeah. government wanted President Kennedy mm-hmm. to go to war over this. Oh, absolutely. Kennedy was the only one holding the bra- his foot on the brakes. That was the only reason why we didn't is because we had one person that said, maybe we don't want to use a cavalier cowboy attitude for um, foreign diplomacy. Uh, Instead, he was very patient, very, he, he carried the weight of the world on his shoulders and his shoulders alone for about two weeks. Uh, there from mid-October to the end of October, and he was trying anything he could to figure it out. Khrushchev thought he was going up against this, you know, snot-nosed kid that had no idea what he was doing, figured he could push Kennedy around, figured that he could. Well, and in the negotiations, uh, they were basically between Kennedy and Khrushchev only. Yeah. And some... But none of the diplomatic aides or anything like that got involved in it. And there was a lot of language barriers and a lot of miscommunication that yeah. almost blew up. You know, that, that that that's what's sad about it is, you know, it's hard enough to negotiate with someone when you're speaking the same language. But when you're trying to decipher yeah. everything through, you know, it becomes a, a whole nother thing, you know. So that yeah. was the scary part of it as well. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was a really good movie with Morgan Freeman and I think it was Ben Affleck and it is, I believe it's enemy of the state where, yeah, yeah uh, the United States and Russia get into a really tense situation where they have nukes uh, pointed at each other. And there's a, uh, a third party trying to orchestrate a, a war between the two uh, superpowers uh, and that that movie does a pretty good job capturing the the kind of tension that there was in this situation. That hey, maybe we just ask them to to trust us, to go with us on a little bit of faith. And in the end, um, there was that clear understanding between both Kennedy and Khrushchev that if we go to war, it would it would be. Uh, Mutual, let's see, it was MAD, Mutual Absolute Destruction, I think is what it is. Um, We would have destroyed each other. So did you see the movie uh, 13 Days about the Cuban Missile Crisis? I haven't. Had Bruce uh, Greenwood as JFK, had Kevin Costner in it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it details it very well, I thought, and I I would suggest Mm -hmm. to anyone that wants a, a decent understanding of this, Mm-hmm. With, you know, that doesn't want to read. I've read a couple books on it and things like that. But the movie does a very excellent job of showing the, how, how tense it really was. It's, mm-hmm. it's an excellent movie. And, and maybe we ought to review that movie Absolutely. Uh, one time. But it, it, 
it it's a good good movie to give you a great idea of how it all went not not so much of what led up to it and some of the things after but just have the actual 13 days of how mm-hmm. tense things were it was pretty crazy and i think two things happened i think because of the success which president kennedy had with it i think that cemented his legacy as one of the best presidents but mm-hmm. i also i really do believe it cemented his fate because there was too many people that were pissed off by it. And and that includes the American government. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, we just said it, uh, and we've said it a couple of times, it seems like Kennedy was the only one that wasn't all gung-ho about going to nuclear war, which would have, I mean, Kennedy had that that understanding of what mutual annihilation would mean. We we shoot them, they shoot us, everybody's destroyed. Nobody wins. Uh, you know, we'd just seen what it, the effects of two bombs had done to Japan. Uh, what would happen if you had hundreds of bombs shot across the United States and thousands of bombs shot across Russia? Yeah. Well, so one thing now, President Kennedy, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, he, he called a quarantine, correct? Yeah, so uh, the, they didn't want to necessarily call it a blockade. It would, but uh, it was essentially the same thing as because a blockade yeah. is essentially an act yeah. of war, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, quarantine. He said, "Look, just don't bring any more boats in." <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they they were bringing these. Uh, well, they they brought in a bunch of these missiles on ships, uh, but they were in the process of bringing more nuclear warheads over on submarines, trying to go below them. Um, These submarines had departed uh, Russia and made their way all the way across the Atlantic, where they were met by the quarantine. And these these, uh, U.S. battleships were there kind of... They they detected the submarines uh, with their sonar, and there were... Do you have like a dying cat over there or something? It's a dying cockatiel. He he deserves whatever he's getting. Okay, I just <laughs> I, I didn't understand what was going on there. It sounded like something was in pain. Yeah, well, he should, probably should be. Got a very miss a, a very badly behaved bird in the bedroom. <laughs> he's two rooms over, so when you hear him squealing, he's really squealing. <laughs> okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt right. you. I was just trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> I'm de- I'm derailed. So, yeah. um, the United States is dropping depth charges off of these battleships, and it's just rattling the crap out of this uh, these sardines in a tin can called Russians and their submarines, and they're just sitting there. They said it just it felt like you were inside of a, a steel drum with somebody just smacking the side of it with a sledgehammer over and over and over again. Now, these guys, they weren't in communication with Russia or the outside world. For all they knew, war may have been declared. These my, these depth charges that were designed to get them to surface, they might have uh, been an act of war. They might have actually been an attack from the United States. These guys didn't know. Not to mention that they've been underwater so long that they're operating at temperatures above 100 degrees, 
they've got a lot of carbon dioxide in the air. So, you know, they're hot, they're miserable, it's stuffy. Uh, <laughs> life on a submarine is, is rough under the best conditions. And these guys held it together. So that's another thing where the Russians really impressed me is that it would have been so easy and tempting <laughs> to just push the, the, the button. But they, they there was three uh, top officers on the submarine, and it took all three of them a uh, unanimous vote to uh, to to fire missiles to to, go, to engage in war. Two of them were all about it. The one was a holdout, and he said no. They resurfaced, or they surfaced, and the United States uh, quarantine <laughs> sent them back to Russia, and they went. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download this free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Um, so Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the tensions everywhere were just like, there's so many opportunities for this to go wrong. So many opportunities for this to end up in a, a nuclear holocaust. Now, I know the, the spy plane first caught the pictures on, I believe, the 14th of October, but President Kennedy... I don't think until like a week later, let the American public know what was going on. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, that and they didn't. Uh, so as part of the negotiations, they didn't tell the United, they didn't tell the, the citizens of the United States the whole truth for a long time. Maybe we still don't have the whole truth. Oh, I'm sure we don't. Yeah. But the, like this whole, the deal was made between um, Khrushchev and, Kennedy directly and the terms of that deal uh yeah I'll tell you there was some good that came out of it but there was some uh consolations made on both sides yeah I do know that uh the U.S. had to pull all missiles out of Italy and Turkey and Turkey yeah but they didn't have to publicly acknowledge it no uh, we didn't find that out until I think it was the 80s maybe even the 90s yeah, it was declassified then. Yeah. And that was something that we agreed upon, but which which I find funny because I think diplomatically, why would that have been bad to announce? Uh, I don't know because well, I guess diplomatically, it opens up the rest of the world to say, "Hey, uh, Turkey's fair game, Spain's fair game," or you know, these places are no longer under the United States nuclear protection uh but yeah and i can i can see that yeah (laughs) yeah but but then again they still are under nuclear protection because the united states still has these uh missiles that will reach all the way across the globe does it ever make you wonder you know we're talking 60 years ago and our these missiles could have reached across the globe does it ever make you wonder what kind of technology we possess nowadays that we are not aware of um, just the technology that I've heard of that exists blows my mind. Uh, 
people using sound waves to manipulate a human body uh, to induce a lot of pain uh, or discomfort. And they, like it would make you feel like you were going crazy if somebody was weaponizing sound waves against you. I mean, it, the, the kind of technology that's out there is phenomenal. Yeah. And we're just on the, like, the, the, these are things that aren't even mainstream yet, you know? It's just stuff that you hear about. Well, and I'm sure in the defense world, the things that are out there would blow our minds of what there's ability to do. I think I think the thing that's maybe a little scary is places like Russia and China very well could have surpassed the United States in that kind of technology by now. Well, sure. And uh, this was not the end of the Cold War. This no, was no, by no means was no, it. No, th- this was the height of the Cold War, but this was not near the end. Uh, we, we were in a, a space race with Russia and they beat us to space. Yeah. They beat us time and again. They beat us with the first dog, the first monkey, the first human. Well, unless you've watched that series on uh, Apple, mm-hmm. have you seen that? No. Which one's this? I can't remember the name of it, but it's about the space race and how it changed if we kept if they would have beat us to the moon first. And it, for all mankind, that's what it's called. Okay. And it's it's really interesting because it sh- it it tells an alternative history if the Russians would have landed on the moon first. Mm-hmm. And then it become a huge thing where we had to get there and be the first to drill for water and do some different things. And it just shows the whole, the whole thing changes. It, mm-hmm. It's very interesting. I, I love, yeah. I love uh, programming, you know, whether it be TV, television shows or, or movies that, that tell an alternative history. You know, what if this would have happened differently? Because Speaking about what we're talking about now, what would the country look like now, you know, if this had turned out a little bit different? Because mm-hmm. there was people's fingers ready to push those buttons. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fair to say that the fingers were on the launch button ready yeah. to, to push. All they had to do is get a little too much pressure on there. Uh, some of the, the good things that came about from this... Um, is it established that hotline, the red phone that goes directly between um, the Kremlin and the White House? So that that was a positive thing. It um, because is that is that still there? I believe it is. I believe it is still established. Do you think the phone's still red? Hope so. Hmm. Interesting. Kind I never whole, see it in any show. Whole point know. of it, yeah. Um, no, but um, another thing, and this. Maybe good, maybe not. Um, It's really up to to you to decide. Uh, Was the establishment of the football, the nuclear football that goes around with the president so that the president can uh, launch uh, or get access to uh, nuclear launch codes at a moment's notice. So if we do have nuclear war uh, waged against us, then whoever waged the nuclear war is going to get retaliation against them before we're annihilated. So, I mean, we got that, but once again, that's kind of, is that a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? It's up to, it's up to the, the beholder to decide. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny because there, I mean, we could go on endless hours because there's too many details to dive into this to even yeah. 
come close, but we, we just want to outline it the best we can. So yeah. after after the president uh, addressed the nation, how did things, you know, proceed after that? Um, you know, after the president addressed the nation and uh, told them that everything had settled down, um, Cuba loaded uh, ships with these nuclear warheads and sent them back to Russia. So... You know, that was a, an act of good faith from Khrushchev. And in return, uh, Kennedy pulled the uh, warheads out of Turkey. But once again, that was, uh, uh, it, it took several months. Uh, and Kennedy negotiated that. He said, look, you know, you give us an act of good faith and give us some time. Because I can't just pull all these nukes out of Turkey right now. But, you know, you give me a few months, I can... I can arrange that. So. Well, now you do know Castro did send a letter to Khrushchev telling him to bomb the United States. Uh, yes. I forgot to bring that detail up, so thank you <laughs> yeah. for pointing that one out. Yeah, he, <laughs> I, I, he wanted us dead. Let's put it yeah. that way. Oh, yeah. Well, we had, and this goes back to the Bay of Pigs. We had just pissed him off by sending a bunch of his former countrymen to overthrow his, the... Um, the regime that he had put in by overthrowing the president that we had had elected down there in Cuba. So uh, let's see, but was it Batiste? I, that sounds, that sounds right. I I think it was Batiste. Yeah. But um, that was the, the democratically elected president of Cuba um, when the United States had gone in and kicked out the Spanish from the Spanish American war. Um, but that goes way back to the early 1900s. So this, uh, you know, a democratically elected president got overthrown by the communists. Um, this is where Che Guevara comes in and uh, Fidel Castro. This is where Fidel Castro took over. And Castro, he was quite the cowboy himself. Uh, guy always had a gun on his hip, always wore the military uniform, preferring that to, say, more presidential or uh what diplomatic dress it, uh, he wore fatigues his whole life instead of uh say a uniform well you know like a dress uniform he he wouldn't uh he, he would wear green combat clothes so well, you know one other thing we didn't talk about there was a u2 pilot right towards the end shot down and killed yes uh he was the only uh death in the whole uh in this whole uh, month long, or you know, the, in this whole Cuban Missile Crisis, he was the only uh, casualty shot down and killed by Cuba. Correctly, that's right. Cuba shot that one down because yeah. they saw the U two spy plane flying overhead, and they were able to shoot him, and they took him down, killed him. Yeah, uh, which <laughs> damn near led to war. Yeah, uh, right before this whole <laughs> conflict was kind of settled out that nearly nearly done it but since khrushchev did not give the actual mm-hmm. you know command to fire and shoot him down as far as we know then yeah negotiations continued <laughs> yeah but, if if my thoughts were more organized right now this whole thing would be playing out so tensely because <laughs> well, that's just another thing it's 
I, th- I think when it comes down to it, the biggest thing is, is there's a lot of things that led to this. And there's a lot of things we probably, like you said earlier, will never know of why and mm-hmm. how and all the details and all the concessions yeah. that were made to, you know, make peace. But I think, you know, when it comes down to it, both Kennedy, I, I think Kennedy impressed himself to a certain point to Khrushchev Mm -hmm. by the time it was done. I think, you know, like you had said, Khrushchev looked at him as a young punk, Mm -hmm. but you know, both men had seen war and both men had seen tragedy in war. And I think they both knew that a nuclear war would not be good for anyone. I mean, you're you're, for the whole world. (laughs) Yeah. No, no one's winning anything here, you know? And so I really think after the negotiations and some of the, you know, some of the miscommunications were flattened out and things like that. I believe that, I mean, we all, it was a very tense situation, more tense than I think anyone knows because we've never been that close to a nuclear war. Yeah. And the fact that those men were the ones leading the country, you know, and I I hate to think this, but if it was Donald Trump Mm -hmm. with Russia right now, I'm, yeah. Pretty sure we'd have some issues, mm-hmm. and that's. Um, I mean, I I don't know for sure, but I don't see the diplomacy between uh, Trump and Putin playing out the same manner. There's also a a cultural divide there, um, and maybe that's kind of an obvious thing to state. To state, but the Russian, uh, the Russian way of being and way of uh, doing business di- or the Russian way of being diplomatic was it's a lot more uh, not not necessarily speak softly and carry a big stick, but speak loudly and carry a big stick and sometimes use that stick. Um, so this is kind of the attitude that we're trying to negotiate with or rather that Kennedy's trying to negotiate with and we can either go in there with our six gun on our hip and you know be ready to see if we can outdraw him which is what all the generals were were pushing him to do is like go in there and just kick his ass well because let's be honest we had the weapons we had many more missiles than them I mean Mm -hmm. we would have we would have succeeded, I believe. Yeah. But, but at what cost, you know, exactly. I mean, at what human life, because mm-hmm. there would have been mass casualties yeah. here and there. And mm-hmm. it, I just don't know what good would have come of any of it. And how would history have looked back on John Kennedy uh, for me, for if he had adopted that attitude and gone in, pushed the, the button, sent the nukes over, um, you know, Keep in mind, this is the United States as the nuclear power of the world. That we're the the biggest kid on the playground that's going over there, you know, swinging our baseball bat and uh, just looking to clock anybody in the head that gets in our way. Uh, and this was Khrushchev was the only one to stand up to us, really. Yeah, and Khrushchev had said that the only reason for the missiles in Cuba was for defense. Mm-hmm. which in a way you can't blame them. I mean, with thousands of missiles that can reach 
their doorstep at any time, especially some planted right on their doorstep, basically. Yeah. Being in Turkey and Italy, it, it, that kind of brings back to the whole, it, you know, the whole hypocrisy of the thing, you know, yeah. America saying, well, we're the big dog. We've got mm-hmm. the missiles and you stand down. Yeah. And, and so when you talk about, you know, speaking loudly and carry a big stick, I feel like America as a whole was shouting yeah. and carrying the whole bundle of sticks, mm-hmm. you know, but then complained to anyone about picking up a twig. Yeah. I mean, so, that's kind of the way I look at it, you know? Yeah. And it really, it seemed like that's exactly what it was, is the Russians, uh, Khrushchev was not going to respect or back down to somebody that was going to try to bully him into submission. Um, he also wasn't going to back down to somebody that um, was submissive and uh, passively trying to get him to just, hey, can't we just, you know, all get along and be peaceful and, you know, take the tree hugger approach and uh, be a pacifist. Uh, He needed to, Kennedy needed to be exactly what Kennedy was. He wasn't there to be pushed around. He was willing to do whatever it took, and he communicated that. But that he also was able to negotiate and be open to talking. And as a result, things worked out. So what are your thoughts? Because my thoughts are the Cuban Missile Crisis, which John F. Kennedy did an amazing job of not listening to other people's <laughs> loud voices of what needed to be done. He chose peace and you know, diplomacy over everything. Yeah. And I, I said it earlier, I feel like that's what got him killed. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Because I mean, I, you know, you go through all this and there's all kinds of crazy egg ideas of, you know, the, the different conspiracies behind it and all that. And I think there's two, di- I think there's people, you know, definitely looking for the truth. And there's people that think of every crazy thing you could possibly think of, but I do yeah. regardless, he was murdered and regardless mm-hmm. it was under some conspiratorial, you know, I mean, it, it seemed like yeah. a conspiracy in some way or another. Yeah. So um, do you think this was a step towards the United States intelligence and military not liking the president. Absolutely. Um, and it, it was absolutely a step towards, um, well, it, it was I, not a step towards. It was definitely uh, what caused a rift between the commander-in-chief and those who he was commanding. Uh, and it's probably because of the attitude this macho attitude of a general to say, well, you know, I'm a five-star general. I'm tougher than anybody. Nobody can push me around. Well, and that's fine. Uh, you know, Mr. Blood and guts, but whose blood and guts are you, uh, spilling on the ground? It's not yeah, yours. Who's, yeah. Who's are, who's are you willing to give up? You know, because yeah. the guy with the biggest balls was John mm-hmm. F. Kennedy. Yeah. He wasn't afraid to be passive about certain things. He wasn't afraid to, you know, make concessions to make it work. And so Mm -hmm. millions of people wouldn't die. And 
and then it's just funny that he's killed right before it's time to start running for re-election, which he indeed, considering oh, yeah. his numbers, would have won. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so it, it's just a shame because, you know, we say how things could have turned out so mm-hmm. differently if, if the Cuban Missile Crisis didn't go as it went. Yeah. But let's say it did go differently and president Kennedy was still alive, you know, things would have been different there too. I mean, there's always the big what ifs behind everything and it, yeah, it it intrigues me, but it also freaks me out. Well, the conspiracy, uh, you know, I love uh, hearing conspiracy theories and sometimes I like inventing conspiracy theories. So here's the one that I'm just off the top of my head. I'm going to invent is that maybe John F. Kennedy offered himself up as a sacrificial lamb uh, that was needed to make Russia feel okay with this. And so if it was the Russians uh, that sent Lee Harvey Oswald to murder JFK, maybe it was all designed by JFK uh, and Khrushchev. That, hey, if, if you need somebody's head on a platter, take mine. You're, you're certainly painting him as more of a martyr than I thought you would have. Yeah. But, but that's, that, that's, my, uh, that, that's my conspiracy theory that I just invented, and I don't believe that at all. Oh, well, fair yeah. enough. But <laughs> what, do, you, do you believe that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone? Uh, that one, I'm open to discussion. Um the evidence that I see is yes, he did act alone. Um, the conspiracy about there, there are people saying that they saw shooters on the grassy knoll. And so I have to wonder about where those people, what, what, what's up with that? I, the ballistics make sense to me. Like, uh, you know, the blowback of uh, being shot in the back of the head. Um, I mean, of course, naturally, we think it's going gonna, it's gonna to tip you forward. But in, in reality, when the, the way that a bullet works is it hits you with that kind of uh, velocity, it will throw whatever it hits um, towards where the bullet's coming from instead of along with the bullet. I, I can agree with that, but, you know, when you look at the magic bullet and the lack of autopsy uh, mm-hmm. reliability, you look at the fact that many people that were witnesses to certain things have died mysteriously. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit going on. And I'll tell you, what's happened in our country in the last three or four years mm-hmm. makes me believe more in a conspiracy mm-hmm. within our own government now than I did before. Yeah, just because, you know, nobody, I mean, even going through this whole pandemic, going through the presidency, the the current president and the former president, no one is on the same page. No one knows what everyone's doing. Everyone's accusing everyone else of doing it. it you know, we've got a bigger war inside our own country now than we ever have. And so it makes me believe that very easily, especially with the intelligence community, the CIA more specifically, they were given carte blanche to conduct anything they wanted to do with no one in charge. And so 
it, it just makes me wonder, you know, and everyone that was involved in it's gone now. Well, yeah, it, including the babushka lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who, who, that's also another theory is uh, maybe she's the one that uh, had a, a, um, the magic bullet. Yeah. yeah, and and that's crazy because there's so many art or not artifacts, mm -hmm. but um, there's so much, so many small pieces of evidence that have disappeared, and yeah. it's just the most odd thing. Mm -hmm. If if you really dive deep into it with what facts you can find, and then try and piece it together, mm -hmm. you know, I've never I've never thought differently of the ballistics when the head going back and to the mm -hmm. side or whatever that is. To me, that makes sense. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you the the conspiracy that I don't buy into is Jack Ruby. I don't believe that Jack Ruby had anything to do with anything other than he happened to see that Lee Harvey Oswald was walking outside of, or being led in cuffs outside this uh, place. And he just happened to be there. So he pulled out his gun. He happened to have and shot him because that's what you do on a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, and, and he admittedly liked the president and was upset at what had happened. So yeah, but the, but you're right. There are theories waged mm -hmm. down with him. There's I, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. You can chase it down so many roads. But yeah. I, I think if there was a per se cover up by the intelligent intelligence community or our government in some way, I don't think it'll ever be. I mean, no one will yeah. ever know, so this no. conversation will go on for years. Well, here's the, the interesting, uh, and this kind of ties into the conspiracy theories. Uh, recently, um, it's been in the last year, I want to say maybe three to six months ago, they released some documents about the uh, JFK assassination, and they opened those files up. But there was some other big... Uh, news topic going on at the time so it almost made its way to the second page so it kind of got swept under the rug did, did you hear about that i did hear moment? about it and the thing you've got now too tyler is mm -hmm. you've got most of the people that were alive that witnessed it and it was very important to them most mm -hmm. of them are they're all dead yeah you know, I'm but, not talking people that witnessed it there. I mean, people that knew about it from the radio and the television yeah. and things like that. And it was their president. Yeah. You know, most of those people are gone now, except yeah. little kids. The the ones that, yeah, the little kids that are still around, they're uh, our parents' age or older. And that generation, shoot, uh, my dad's going to be 80. Uh, my mom's seventy in her 70s now. She's 75, I think. So, it, or no, she just turned seventy. Sorry, that's Sorry, okay. You, I'm I'm uh, I'm aging my mom. <laughs> she won't listen to you. You'll be fine. No, she she hasn't listened to me in forty years. Why is she gonna start now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good good point. Good Sorry, point. mother. <laughs> so, but that that's uh, let's see. The other conspiracy that I could see tied into this is uh, Bobby Kennedy. Jack, uh, Jack Kennedy's little brother, because he was uh, part of the negotiation process. Uh, John Kennedy sent Bobby to uh, discuss uh, some things with the with the Russian uh, ambassador in the United States during this whole thing. So, could the the deaths of, the, of both of those brothers be 
part of this a similar conspiracy um maybe um i i i I still think that with bobby kennedy there it's not the russians that are behind it it seems like it's more uh cia or the united states government that's behind it well probably well yeah well let's face it the kennedys were a threat to the government as it functioned I mean, they really were, and you you could take that where you want. You can say that's a good or a bad thing, but they were a threat to the way the government functioned, and Mm -hmm. the Cuban Missile Crisis is a perfect example of that. Yeah, because undoubtedly, it would have turned out differently if we had a different president. I guarantee you, if Lyndon Johnson was president, we would have attacked. Absolutely. Yeah, and because there was two men within the whole government that didn't want to attack. And that was John F. Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about where it stopped. And Lyndon Johnson was just a dick. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, but the, the everything, no, no, I'm not sorry. Everything I've heard. Sorry. Yeah. Everything I have heard about Lyndon B. Johnson, the guy's just a total asshole. <laughs> I, well, I don't, yeah, I don't like him. Nothing wrong with that, I guess, to a certain extent, but I wasn't a fan of his policies. And we'll, we'll definitely talk mm-hmm. a lot more about him as we get into other subjects, because he he definitely helped shape the 60s, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, for the worse. Mm-hmm. But also a lot of the coming of age stuff was brought about by him. And, and let's not get it completely wrong. He did have some good things he did while in office as well. And I will I will concede to that. Yes. But what I guess what really upsets me is the guy would force his uh staff to follow him into the bathroom where he would drop a, a deuce right in front of everybody. Uh yeah, that that's just inconsiderate. That just seems courageous to me because I can't even poop with the door open. Oh, uh, it is, but it's also a power move. Yeah. Yeah. So and what does was, that what does that say for me that I can't even do it with the door open? That you have dignity. Hmm. I'm embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. You're a dignified person. Hmm. Okay, I appreciate so, that. With with regards to the way that um, the sixties are with the coming of age of America, I would have to say that this moment where JFK stands up to Khrushchev and uh, negotiates out this Cuban Missile Crisis is a lot like the first time where the teenage boy gets into either a verbal or a physical fight with their dad and actually takes him, you know? And then that's where the older generation takes a look at the younger rising generation and says, you know what? Okay. You're, you're maturing. You're able to, to hold your own now. Yeah. And and there's a level of respect that's earned. Well, I think we can all be thankful that it turned out the way it did. Yeah. Now, now who's to say, because if indeed Kennedy was killed because of this, you know, that leads into Vietnam and things that we could have avoided possibly if he was still present. So there, I mean, I guess everything's, you know, that brings into, into case the butterfly effect, you know? Yeah. 
which uh, <laughs> we'll have to discuss that one time, I guess. But I, I think all in all, this defines President John F. Kennedy and what he was about. Um, I, I think his, you know, caring for racial justice and things like that certainly were very important to his longevity. You know, we, you know, a lot of people look at his philandering and <laughs> all the things like that. But as far as having a good heart, I think not only did he mean well, but he was fine with standing up to it and not taking political pressure to do something he didn't want to do. And we, we should all be thankful that happened that way. Absolutely. Um, this moment, the, uh, in Kennedy's administration was the most important moment in the 1900s. Um, the only moment that I would say comes close to it would be the, uh, the decision of Harry Truman to drop the bomb in the first place. Yeah, but I'm, and I'm going to have to, I think that was a big moment, but I think Harry Truman was a complete moron. Yeah. I'm just saying it was so, a significant moment and I, I don't think he played it right. <laughs> no, and, and I don't even really think it was his decision, which is the reason mm-hmm. we're kind of talking about president Kennedy. He was fine with standing up to all the generals and all the government mm-hmm. that wanted him to do else elsewise, yeah. you know, where Harry mm-hmm. Truman couldn't do the same. And Harry Truman was just a, Dumb yeah. little bastard. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, you, you make a good point, Justin, because it's not just – I've been talking so much about John uh, Kennedy standing up to Nikita Khrushchev. Um, it, I, it's not even so much Khrushchev that was the big bad wolf that he had to, to stand up against. Um, the big bad wolf that was trying to huff and puff and blow our house down was our own generals and our own military leaders. And – those were the people that this young, um, the youngest president we'd ever had up to that point, these generals figured, okay, young guy, we're going to push him around. We'll just tell him he'll be a pawn on our chessboard. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. And he wasn't, he wasn't at all. He wasn't. He, he stood up tall. He did what he thought was right. He did what was right. Not, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the difference. And that, I guess that's what, keeps me thinking that that's eventually what led to him getting shot, Mm -hmm. you know, and one way or another, I believe some form of the government was involved in that. Mm -hmm. Um, How much, obviously I don't know. And none of us will really ever know. And the only people that do know are dead. Exactly. So it is what it is, but I, you know, I think the good thing is going through the sixties, we do have, we will cover president Kennedy's assassination at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll cover the Kennedy's affair with affairs with Marilyn Monroe and different things like that. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think they'll play a crucial role in some of our other topics. And even if not, I think a lot of the other topics we will get to discuss exist because of president Kennedy's actions. Yeah, because they certainly would have played out differently if uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis hadn't have been played so well by him. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, I don't think that had we skipped Kennedy and gone straight into the Johnson administration, I don't think we would have seen the uh, the beatniks and the hippies um, getting the kind of footing and the kind of uh, following that they did. Uh, you know, there was. Uh, there was something about Kennedy that 
he kept it light and fun loving, but at the same time, he really bore, like I said, the weight of the world on his shoulders for these two weeks. Well, and, and I think you say that kind of lightly because obviously if this uh, Cuban Missile Crisis situation would have turned out differently and we had mass nuclear bombings on our own soil, uh, I think a lot of things wouldn't have played out even similar. We wouldn't be anywhere near what we are now. And so, yeah. you know, as many problems as we have, uh, peace is always seems to be a good option. Yeah, so if you ever uh, if you ever find yourself sitting in the Oval Office with your finger poised above that button to end the world in nuclear holocaust, um, and you have that option of not pushing the button, I'd say follow the the example of John F. Kennedy and don't push the button. Go for peace. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you all very much again. Uh, th- thank you to our anonymous um, uh, listener that wrote in suggesting this one. This has been a really fun episode. I had a good time uh, scr- uh, <laughs> scrubbing up on it. Yeah. <laughs> Scri- scribbling around it, as yeah. we do with all episodes. Exactly. Because we're certainly not experts. We just like to discuss and outline, th- outline mm-hmm. things and do the yeah. best we can to give you a little interest in it. Exactly. So, um, yeah, anybody's got uh, some more uh, topics you'd like to hear about, um, or if you want us to expound on other ones we've already covered, we'll go back and revisit. We're not afraid to do that. We've had the same conversation time and time again before between ourselves. So, anyway, uh, send us an email about what pod at gmail.com and. Um, Make sure to give us a like, give us a five-star review um, on whatever platform you listen to, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or uh, Spotify or whatever ones that are out there. I can't even think of all of them, but um, yeah. Close enough. You got all the important ones. All right. One, One way or another, just make sure that you come back and visit us again next week. Another episode coming your way with About What? Have a good evening.